Hello and welcome to The Pyramid, a Scottish football podcast where we shine the light on life at clubs across the SPFL, plus many more in the Highland League, Lowland League and beyond. Joining me, Kenny Crawford, for our eighth episode, as he often faithfully does, is our broth midfielder James Cragen, but also Montreux's assistant manager Ross Campbell, who started off by explaining how their fantastic win against Cove Rangers to seal a top-half finish in League One had followed a hectic few days of games. You know, last week we, we went down to Partick Thistle and they had played midweek and we really thought we had a good chance. You know, we've competed pretty well across all the season against all the teams. And um, we got a bit of drubbing, uh, 5-0. And you can imagine, at that point, we knew it was really difficult because that meant that goal difference and catching Airdrie, if, if, it, if it was a draw, basically meant that, you know, that didn't play out. So... We had the pleasure of going down to Kamanak and giving that a go, and it was probably the best thing that happened to us, actually. 37 hours, 38 hours, nobody was complaining. We, we embraced it, and we did exceptionally well. Arguably should have taken more from the game and uh, with the chances that we created and how silly our goals were, really. So nice to get the 5-0 out of the way, and then that meant that we came into Tuesday night almost you know, with nothing to lose. Our club are not going to be a club, Kenny, that... You know, everything's a disaster if you just miss out or it's an amazing success. You know, we're pretty pretty measured in how we operate. So we really had nothing to lose last night. Um, we would have been disappointed. Of course we were. And likewise, because we won another result went for us, we're, we're really, really pleased. But yeah, we weren't going to get too caught up in it. And But also mostly delighted to be on the, on the right side of it. Yeah, just touching on that, obviously I don't want to focus too much on the lows here, Ross, but obviously you said that you're going down to Partick Thistle and you thought that you, you had a good chance there. Do you look back and, have you, and I'm thinking about the result against Cove, you know, did you set the team up completely different or looking back, was it the right set to set the team up that way against Partick? I'm just interested to see how you can like, you change that mindset from getting beat 5-0 and then going to an SPL team and you're playing Kilmarnock three days later. Uh, and obviously I know you're still playing as well, uh, but very much on the coaching staff. I'm just interested in the, kind of like the setup of the team really, uh, how you can like change that from the Tuesday night fixture to the Saturday and then again to Cove. You learn pretty quickly. I think that's where it comes back to being measured and, and how you assess and analyse what's happened. We didn't go up up to the to the stadium and start hammering the boys. You know, the commitment was there. We were in the game for a lot, for the early part and um, we probably just got it a bit tactically wrong, a little bit. Uh, personnel at this stage, there isn't much of a choice because most of the time it's who's available. Um, you know, we've got a good squad, but, you know, you carry injuries and, and there's a lot of games to play. So in terms of what we did next then was, well, they started that out at the weekend, but we did find that a change of shape when we played from the Thursday night to the Saturday against Kilmarnock. We set up against Kilmarnock rather than changing it from the Partick game. But it, it was fantastic. The performances were really high and actually we carried that momentum, that shape, that methodology from the Saturday into the Tuesday. And that's probably why we got success last night. What's a typical day for you, Ross? Because obviously it's different for everyone because of lockdown and all the circumstances we've been through. But James mentioned there you're still playing. I think you've got 14 or 15 appearances this season, just kind of coming off the bench mainly and just helping things. But you've got your role at the Orium and then you've got training and you've got assistant manager duties that Stuart will will tie in with you. Give us a sample of if, if COVID wasn't here, what's a typical day for you on a training night? He's on the golf course four times a week as well and he's at a bat in as well. <laughs> yeah, it's like being too, too cheesy. There's a, there's a, a 
an acronym that I use, which is FFW, now FFW Plus. So trying to manage my time. I don't talk about work-life balance. I just talk about balance a lot with colleagues and when I'm coaching and mentoring people. So that, that really stands for football, family and work. And the plus is I'm looking to go back and do maybe some further education, whether it's a, a master's or an MBA or something, just to kind of further stimulate where I want to go. So um, what it looks like is I've got a young family. I've got a wonderful wife who looks who really helps, probably looks after her three kids, the two kids plus me. Um, so I would be up in the morning, I would be into work, try and listen to a podcast or something just to start the day with a positive, a typical day at work. Um, anyone who, you know, you have to deal with my job is about managing the culture and, and leading the business. You know, my title is Executive Director of Orium. So whether it's dealing with partners or dealing with the university who are our, our main funder. Um, so, yeah, I think we can move on past that quickly because that's just anybody's day to day. And then... Back early, if I can, I've got flexibility in my work, which is great. Um, get a bit, of, get a bit of food in me, and see the kids, and then we, we're up to Perth, and so we do the training. In terms of how it splits, probably because most people listening to this podcast will be more football related. I couldn't do the job that I do if I didn't have flexibility in my orium or my home life because part-time footballs it's almost semi, if not full-time, when you're in a coaching role. Because you've got to do the you got to do the preparation, and we've got to. Uh, I like to be quite organised, and I hope that I bring that into what we do. It's a very professional setup, albeit a part time level. So that takes time, but bear in mind we're in our fifth year now. So you you establish uh, processes and you establish a culture over that period of time. So I don't want to profess that it's, it's really really exhausting, and, and you know I'm this. Um, I've got all this energy I, I don't you know I get tired when it comes to the weekend and uh, I typically try and do nothing on a Sunday if not spend time with the family but that's enough to recharge and then start again on a Monday It's worth mentioning as well when you talk about Montrose training that you've um, that, that you put on with, with, with Stuart and the other coaching staff uh, up at Perth is, I don't know if you're aware this Kenny when I came back on loan last year to our growth uh, Montrose and, and through Ross there let me train further two evenings of training for myself at up with the team the first kind of part-time setup they actually do a strength and conditioning session before the actual training which I think is fantastic and that just shows that, that the depths that Montrose are going to really make it such a professional setup in the in the part-time football so definitely something that I think there as a club you're really big on aren't you Ross with that well very much I think I, I, I wouldn't uh, we probably can't kind of comment in a COVID world but if you look at the the three seasons you know, pre-COVID that Stuart and, and myself and, and the group have been together. Uh, we've had some amazing run-ins, you know, the, the year we won the title. Well, when Stuart came in, we were bottom in the league and we finished in the playoffs. That's because we had a great run to the end of the season. The year when we won the, the league and, and pipped Peterhead, you know, we had a remarkable points to, total. I think it was 21, 22 points, or if that's possible, out of the, out of the, the last nine. And then we also had another run the year after to get into the playoffs when just being promoted. And I, and I fundamentally believe that's down to our training methodology. There's a little bit of that, that mindset approach and, and we've created that culture of let's have a go, let's keep going. You know, Ultimately, it's a privilege to play football at our level. It's not a chore, so let's, you know, we'll get that culture out of the boys. But Stuart McFarlane, our strength and conditioning coach, he works for full-time with um, St. Johnston, but part-time with us almost as a hobby. He has really driven in a lot and um, that you do get that benefit from investing in yourself, particularly as you just have that fatigue through the season. You know, we almost get stronger. So can't profess it. We've been able to do that because of the impact of COVID, but 
we haven't stopped um, in that way either. So, yeah, we do like to treat that side seriously and any other aspect that we think we can make gains and we can we can improve what we do at Montrose. That's that's our aspiration to continue to, to keep improving and see where we can go. How key is your relationship with Stuart Petrie, Ross? And how how much would you still be doing what you're doing with Montrose if Stuart wasn't there? Because I know you've he's almost been like a family friend since his Dunfermline days, hasn't he? And, and how important is that relationship for you doing what you do? Stuart's excellent. And um, actually, as much as you say that, Kenny, it's almost a distant family friend to me. So if, if I can explain, Stuart played under my dad at Dunfermline for a, for a long period of time and they are close friends and, and my dad's brought him back to Ross County um, and before he went back out to Australia, took him in a little bit at Forfar just to help him out after he moved on from Arbroath, etc. So that friendship is there. That's pretty clear to see. My little brother, uh, Yano is his nickname. Ian, he um, he played with him at Ross County. So that that's a family connection. Stuart, I just knew almost by association with the guys. So it didn't it didn't come in. Stuart didn't come in and, and say, you know, with me as his assistant. It was actually I stepped in to help him out. He can't get rid of you now. You stepped in to help him out and he can't get rid of you. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I like to talk as you know. But no, I think I, I think we 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 hit it off. I was helping him and, and he kindly came at me and said, Look, I had another plan, Ross, but um, I've really enjoyed working with you. Would you stay on? And um, I was delighted to do that. I think I think the relationship, Kenny, is really, really important. And I wouldn't be here because I would probably be doing my own thing, um, whether it be at another football club or or just away from football. You know, I'm quite willing to walk away from it. I don't need it all the time. I want it right now, but I don't need it. And um, I, I think Stuart brings out the best in me, and I'd like to think I bring the best out in him as well. He gives me artistic license to go on and bring that kind of professional side, and then that. You know, between business and sport, I'd like to bring what I, my experience from Orium into what we do at Montrose, and likewise, um, he's a lot softer than me. You know, he's he's actually brilliant with the players and and the board and the fans, and he's got that uh, amazing way with people that that I wouldn't say I don't have, but certainly I'm probably more, a bit more intense than he is. So I'd like to think that we we complement each other. So what are the actual things Stuart would say, Ross? You do this. These are your responsibilities on the week-to-week, day-to-day of Montrose life? Again, it doesn't work like that. It's, you know, it's it's more of, you know, isn't it? Sure, sure, isn't it that kind of dictator type to say, right, here's a cascade, I'm going to take these jobs and I'm going to give, give them out everyone else. I think it's a, it's a bit more of a team than a collegiate effect. So I, naturally I have stepped in and, and, t- and assumed roles that are on that organisational side um, we all we all contribute to the culture. It's, you know that's pretty much its definition, isn't it? But that organisational side very much so. Um, will we'll dovetail. So sometimes when I'm training, Stuart will lead the training. You know when I'm t- when maybe I take a step back. Pretty much two sessions a week, I'll deliver one, and, and Stuart or the other guys would deliver one. So it's kind of worked hand in hand. And and a key part of that that we've learned through COVID is that. We've maybe not had as much time in contact. Even some some things like driving to the game now, you know, we're not in the same car. So usually you meet up and there's a there's a friendship that bonds and forges as a result of this. The four coaches pick up Dillo, you know, my little brother's in the car, Tony Butter would jump in. We, there would be that camaraderie as well as that that relationship. So we you don't have that now, you're driving single cars. So 
we've had to find different means of of you know getting in touch more often and uh, thankfully we've managed to keep that going but yeah it is very much that collegiate approach and, and again a huge compliment to Stuart and how he he allows us all to bring our different skill sets to the table if you like. Something that I would love to you know get your thoughts I know you could you love uh, obviously working at Montrose at the moment you and Stuart are a fantastic team could you see yourself at some point being the manager I know we've probably discussed this in the past whether and you've helped me with kind of vision for my future career and do I want to go into x y and z and you quite interested to know is can you see yourself as being maybe a number one at a, a club going forward at some point in, in your managerial uh, coaching career? I'll wait and see I think uh, I could easily just profess that yes I'll go alone or no I don't I, I've, I've turned down jobs already um, because um, because of some of the principles of what I what I want to do with my life. You know, right now, uh, let's look at Montrose. It's a fantastic place to be. It's fantastic. It's a fair distance. I live in Delgate Bay. You know, most uh, I'm travelling all the time, but it's a privilege. And uh, we're in an environment that's uh, really progressive. You know, the board um, have just bought back the stadium. There's a community trust. There's um, We've had success on the field. I've got a fantastic working relationship with the players and and Stuart. So I think you, you need to be careful sometimes when you you just want to be the middleman. I, I'm treated almost like a an assistant head coach, if you like, rather than just assistant manager. If that makes sense, I, I get a lot more flexibility and autonomy than maybe other assistant managers do, and that really really stimulates me. So. I've got two years left on my contract and uh, I will absolutely be intending to see them through. It probably takes me to my retirement football-wise, although it's, it's it's slowly becoming that anyway, which is great because I would aspire that our playing team gets beyond my level and it's close to that right now. There's only certain instances where I'll be playing now and that's great that the boys are continuing to grow and obviously I'm getting older. So... You never say never, but just as much as I could go and be my own man, I could easily walk away from, and I'm not, you know, non-threatening. I've got loads of other things that I want to to do, and, and it will stimulate me. So um, I've I've not been too precious about setting that vision up. The important thing is, do I really enjoy what I do right now? Am I feeling stimulated? Am I contributing? Uh, absolutely, am. So very very happy, man. James, just to bring you in on something Ross said a minute ago, he mentioned about how. You- the challenge of keeping the camaraderie in these times. From an growth point of view, how have you found that? Like the, you obviously have your Monday night, Wednesday night training, and you'll see the guys there. But the whole travelling together, not in a necessarily together on a team bus all the time, and give us a little insight into how you found that challenging this season. Yeah, it's not the same. I mean, lost to tell you, I think we we've been in a car school before, going up to four for games and. That's it's brilliant. You, see, you meet at your designated area. You've got a cup of coffee. You always have one person in the class called who doesn't get a coffee and always dodging rounds. And it's them to buy. They don't want one. I'm not naming names here, but that's what always happens. But it's just a bit of camera, like you said. It's a bit of camaraderie, a bit of bands going up, and also it's talking about a lot of the time. It's talking about football, isn't it? And it's a debrief after the game. Ross will tell you. You want it's rubbish when you come in the, after a game. You might have won. You know. You might have you drop the last minute equaliser. You want to have a chat about the game. I find I'm phoning one of the lads that I've just left and talking about the game on the way home from our growth. Um, but no, it's not the same. Obviously, we, you know, first and foremost, we want to have the fans back in, but we want to kind of like get back to some sort of normality in terms of having that, um, you know, going up at least and you know, twos, threes, fours, um, whatever it may be. But no, I think once we get to our growth, I mean, 
Russell Taylor and his daddy, he, he's a character, his dick anyway. So the camaraderie's always been there once we're at the, at, at the stadium. He's always on the pitch and he's uh, cracking jokes. I mean, the four of them were in the dugout when everyone was arriving and they've got Louise, who's the kit woman, making them bacon and egg butties uh, before the game. And they were just, uh, it's, it's, it's brilliant. So there's always a, a bit of a laugh there at Arbroath. And uh, I don't think that'll ever change. Um, so no, it's good, good spirits. And that 4-0 win at the weekend, I was there for the 4-0 win against Air United. Yeah. I was telling Dick Campbell, who you've mentioned as Ross's dad after the game, it was the biggest win since, I think, July 2019 when our had uh, beat Sterling Albion 6-1 in the League Cup. So a good, good couple of years since a win of that magnitude of, for our broth. How surprised were you at that score, James? And how did it feel kind of watching that game unfold? And... Afterwards, what was it like when you were speaking to the the guys on the way home on the phone? Yeah, well, every game you know, in this stage of the season is a, a huge game, and we knew that we before the game we were going to win, we were going to leapfrog air. Um, did I think we were going to stick four goals past them? No, I think our growth are renowned for being a bit more of a defensively set up side, and if we can go on edge in front by a goal, we're confident that we can go and see the game out. And with the uh, the gaffer's delay, slow the game down, tactics as much as we can. Everything can take 10 or 15 minutes from one goal in front. We're quite good at doing that, and that's part and parcel. And that's our one of our strategies. Make no mistake about it. But to get four goals and you know, three of them from second phase set pieces as well, which is something that we pride ourselves on. So that was brilliant. And and we're confident when we've got a couple of goals in that we're not gonna we're not gonna concede. After the game, it was just, you know. You can't get too, Russell tell you, you can't get too high at the moment with, with positive results because this game's coming thick and fast. Um, and Mortimer are playing Hearts on Tuesday night, and that result's probably gone against us. And we have to go to uh, East End Park for Dunfermline on Saturday, knowing we have to get another positive result. Uh, there's no point in like, celebrating a 4 0 win you know, when we're not um, home safe and dry. So no, we just got to keep, the he- keep our heads on and uh, focus firmly on the next two games because it's two massive games. And I feel like I come on the podcast and say that every week, but. We've been battling to stay in this league, you know, from September or October when we started and we got off to a bad start and we've been playing catch-up. Uh, we've done fantastic to get ourselves in this current position right now. And I'm sure that word that Ross used before, momentum, they've got momentum from, you know, the Kilmarnock results and playing Cove last night and beating them. And that's the same with us. I both at this moment in time, we've got a momentum going forward. And can we take that into this weekend and just be positive, positive, positive? Yeah, yeah. Ross, I was thinking about what you were saying earlier on about how Montrose have got this almost a structure in place to, to build and go higher. And I'm thinking about a few seasons ago when Brecon got up to the championship and after that experience for them, which was a real high, we've all seen the, the spiralling they've gone through. How, if Montrose were to have great success in the playoffs and get up to the championship, how would you say that you guys would cope in the championship and make sure that the same kind of thing didn't repeat itself for you guys? I'd probably just focus on us. I, I, I wasn't close enough as much as I observed um, and, you know, got friends formerly and, and currently at, at Brecon. I wasn't in, in amongst it. So h- how would we do it? We would be careful, first of all. You know, we would be aspirational. Um, absolutely. We, the key thing is is trying to to bring in better players and um and and challenge even the team to get up to for the players that are currently in there to raise their levels again but we would be really careful that we didn't start to one completely overhaul everything we've done because probably our biggest strength is our culture and then how we keep the group together but two i wouldn't want to 
yeah, just all, all of a sudden just say automatically we're going back down again. So it's that careful balance of thinking about it over the medium term rather than the short term without being smart. If we go back down, so what? If we go back down, so what? But what you can't allow yourself to do is go down twice. And that actually is, again, links back to my point about culture. So if we keep the boys together, build on them and bring in slightly better, you've got a really good chance of uh, being successful and staying up. And then if you stay up a couple of seasons, you build up your infrastructure, you've got the resources then to probably sustain that over a longer period of time. But so I suppose the, the comparison, I've been articulating like that really, really well, because it's not a question I've really thought about in detail, if I'm being honest. But if you take a look at Norwich's situation, and there's a fantastic uh, podcast right now about uh, Weber, who's the director of football at, at Norwich, and how you know they got there, but they didn't just throw out everything they've done and then just to hang on, their style they play, you know, the culture, the players, the, the, the budget that they have, they very much continued to build and develop, learn and grow. And it meant that, yes, they, they might stay up, they did go down, but then they just bounced straight back up again. And our aspiration probably, if, it come, if I finish with that, where does uh, Montrose want to be, is to continue and to get better and, and sustain and eventually chase down our growth. That would be a long-term aspiration. You know, they are the best part-time club in the, in the country and we would love to we'd love to take their mantle uh, in a few years' time. But it is a few years away at least. You know, they've, they've really, they're miles ahead of us. Ross, you touched on kind of like player recruitment there and I've always been, um, coming from higher education back into professional football myself, it's always great to see Montrose tapping into that market of um, player recruitment within higher education. I know you've just signed... Another signing from Stirling University today, actually, for the next season, Craig Brown. So it's another student that kind of you're taking, taking in uh, again. And you generally see at our growth, you look at Blair Lions, you're taking these, these players in from lower down the leagues, you're making the better players on the tutorage of yourself and Stuart. And then they're either going on or they're becoming Montrose regular fixtures, signing new contracts, and you're making the better players. Is that a market that, obviously, I know you've got a university background yourself when you were coaching there and coaching myself a few years ago now. Um, is that something that you knew when you made the step up into coaching in the senior, you know, in the, in the league, you thought, yeah, there's some right good players down there and I'd like to bring these through and give them opportunity? Yeah, I hope that, if I'm being honest, I hope that not too many people listen to your podcast because it's, uh, that's a secret. It's, it's, it's one great avenue. So thanks for really raising that, um, James and Kenny. No, it is. It's, it's one of our, our phone, four key themes. I, I'd like to think of a recruitment strategy and it's, I've got something up. It's war and peace. It's, you know, it's a guidance tool. But the, the, that is one aspect. The other ones, if you're interested in that, first and foremost, retaining your current group, looking after your players. You know, culture is bred over a longer period of time. So people, as long as they're good enough to play, uh, we keep doing that. Um, loan market's another one. Uh, university students and uh, that lower league, there's a fantastic array. And these people, believe, make no mistake, are really hungry to learn and grow and prove themselves. And the final one is um, as a target, as a focus of ours, is opportunism. You know, Sean Dillon was an opportunistic. We were only tracking Sean Dillon over a long period of time. He became available. Everybody wanted them, and and the Stuart that did the majority of this work sold them the vision, and and we managed to bring him to the club. So it's one one kind of standoff four that's really really interesting to us. And Ross, really keen just in this last five minutes to kind of talk a little bit about your relationship with your dad. Obviously, you've played under him and he's now managing our growth, a team that you want to emulate at Montrose. 
tell us how much you chat football with your dad and how much um, you obviously see a lot of probably what he, he says in, in the in social media and in the papers and things. He's a great character. Tell us a bit about how much he's on the phone to you or, or chatting to you about the game. I'm going to disappoint you here, Kenny. I um, I've got a fantastic relationship with my dad and, and I care about him and my uncle Ian deeply, but I, I probably I'm trying to forge my own career and, and probably in cracking on in my own direction. So I would um, Dick's one of these guys um, who who it's not always easy being his son because you cringe a little bit in some of the stuff that he comes out with. He probably comes and first of all starts with an opinion and then asks a question and stuff like that when we're speaking. Um, hopefully it's coming across his tongue-in-cheek. When did I ask you for your opinion? He always says that to me. Yeah, <laughs> young people should be seen and not heard. That's yeah, what I get told. So I'm 38 this summer, so it's fine. But no, I do. I, um, I keep in touch um, the regularly when we see each other, but I honestly don't phone and talk too much about football. Um, we've both got busy lives. I didn't think I could get into my dad's phone call list because he's either phoning uh, press to talk about himself or he's phoning players to try and get the, the best talent because he's, he's exceptional. But maybe I can talk in, instead about some of my experience and playing under him. And uh, I, I must say that he's someone in terms of, you talk people talk about a lot about role models and um, there's aspects of my dad and, and, uh, and my uncle Pink who are, where I will carry for the rest of my life. And uh, the, the main one and uh, the most important one in, is, uh, is about the humour. Uh, that they bring to it and he, he does talk about a time to work and time to play I think that's I would definitely say that's his, one of his phrases but he actually lives and breathes it so he's authentically him so you interviewing him Kenny you maybe get a friendship with him now you'll know this for listeners that maybe don't know um, you know he is authentically himself and that's kind of what I find a bit cringe because I'm his son and you know speaks out of time and you're like oh dad you can't say that just like we all would be with our, with our own parents and other things but for everyone else, and and for me, when I was working in Durham, it was it was a fantastic learning experience and, and stuff. I'll hopefully carry on in my own professional coaching and management career. One quote I always remember him saying: "It was last season, and he was down at Aloha with our growth. I think Bobby Lynn scored the winner, which is not an unusual thing, hmm. uh, certainly before he got injured. But I interviewed him after the game, and I said something like, "How long are you going to keep on doing this management game? Because obviously you're you're getting on, and and you're still around and." I'll never forget, he said, Kenny, I could be in Dobies on a Saturday afternoon. I can do that further down the line. I don't want to be in Dobies on a Saturday afternoon. I want to be here in the dugout. So I take it, Ross, you admire him from that aspect that he's still doing what he loves. Hugely. I think I, I think I spoke earlier about how, you know, I'd hope maybe I could walk away from football and I, I, would, I would hope to find other stimulation. I think he certainly can't, uh, you know, look at the longevity that he has had. It must be close to... 40 years if you think you know he's in his 67, 68 year now so he kind of lived without football he lives and breathes it and what I would say just as, you, as we close I'm delighted to see that so many people wider than just the fans that you know that are both fans are starting to jump on that bandwagon and really celebrate characters like him and you know a real pride in seeing him be so successful because underneath that humour and, and as I said it is authentic he's successful and he, he'll tell you about his 200 managers of the months or whatever, but ultimately um, he has got them and, and he has won loads of titles. So credit to him for backing it up as well. It tells me that he hasn't got enough room to put them up now. He's not got enough shelves. 
He's like, oh, I need to go and call the joint. I need to go and build me some more shells. I've got this another manager that won't fit. I genuinely have one in my office, uh, uh, and he gave it to uh, his grandson, my son. And uh, I was trying to tell him to take it away, but no, I genuinely have one in here. It's, uh, it's on my kids' shelf, so he's sharing them out. Thanks very much for listening to The Pyramid, a Scottish football podcast where we shine a light on life at clubs across the SPFL, plus many more in the Highland League, Lowland League and beyond. Grateful to Montrose assistant manager Ross Campbell and our growth midfielder James Cragen for joining me, Kenny Crawford, and we hope you'll tune into The Pyramid again next time. Please do spread the word and you can follow us on Twitter at The Pyramid Pod.